0: Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
0: Welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. Did you hear my sigh? Sometimes I sigh. An article really caught my attention earlier, particularly in the terrible wake of that horrid fire that took the lives of four children who were trapped in their own home, an older home, in which there was no kind of safe egress, and the fire just started like crazy on the first floor, and four children died, uh, three survived, a whole bunch of animals died as well, Uh, truly a tragedy in a different part of our state, and uh, the in Somers, Connecticut, and the town and the family are still grappling with the aftermath of that and in shock. But as we were paying attention to fire, fire safety and prevention, I saw a piece that really that took me by surprise. And Richard Thode, who is the chief of the fire department in Danbury, is on with us to talk about something that kills firefighters, but it isn't fire. And we're going to have to find out what that is and how to stop it. Richard Thode, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hello.
1: Good morning, Lisa. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's a pleasure. So so don't keep us in suspense any longer. If it isn't fire that kills firefighters, what is it?
1: Uh, cancer. So uh, there is uh, more and more studies coming out that firefighters are at a Significantly increased risk of cancer uh, from everything from the products that we're exposed to at fires. Uh, and then obviously, the article that you're referring to is about the uh, PFAS chemicals used in tons of everyday commodities, but primarily used in um, firefighting turnout gear, which is the equipment that we wear when we respond to fires.
0: So, Okay, let's go, uh, let's go over the evidence. Who was tracking, because cancer is such a slow-growing and many believe multi-causational kind of thing, but on the other hand, we know from nine eleven that we are tracking the exposure to what happened to the people in nine eleven directly to cancer, and we as a country are paying for that. Is that part of the evidentiary study that you guys are turning to? In other words, what's the evidence for the conclusion that cancer... Uh, is happening to firefighters and caused by exposure to these chemicals?
1: Well, so um, the International Association of Firefighters, which is the, uh, the, the basically the union association, and then also the International Association of Fire Chiefs have teamed up, and they've been looking at this for a while. And then NIOSH, which is a division of the federal government, they investigate firefighter fatalities. and And it really was already on our radar before 9-11, and then after 9-11, so many firefighters uh, came down with cancer, and most of their cancer was from inhaling uh, the items that were in the air there. But what they've been doing is tracking certain kinds of cancer, testicular cancer, uh, bladder cancer, certain kinds of cancer. And a lot of the cancers that are surfacing are cancers that typically are found maybe in older Americans and firefighters that are in their late 20s and 30s are developing these. So, oh. so it really sent off the alarm bell. I mean, it's you have to remember when a firefighter goes to a fire, they they work, and obviously it's in a superheated environment. Your pores open up, and then any of the contaminants that are in the air, that are in the gear, anywhere, get just absorbed right into the skin. So it's uh, you. And then if you think about things that are in houses, you know, Lisa, back when you and I were kids, you know, if if your parents bought a mattress, it was a cotton mattress with springs and maybe a little bit of, of you know, uh, folly on the top. Mm-hmm. A mattress now comes in a box and you open it up and it the foam fills. When those things burn, they give off tremendous chemicals that are just uh, deadly. They're absolutely deadly.
0: So those are the kinds of things you can't avoid if you're a firefighter in the sense that the exposure to things that are burning is part of the job, but you're asking for a different kind of a uniform? Like, tell me about Correct. the so, things that you're so the, wearing. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Right. So the turnout gear that you, you know, people traditionally associate a firefighter, you know, the, the, the black with the yellow stripes on it that the firefighters wear to fires, that has some thermal, some heat protection, but it also has moisture protection. Uh, it keeps you know, water and chemicals and whatnot off of you, but also has to allow um, your sweat and perspiration and your heat to dissipate. The way that they do that is the coat has multiple layers. Let's just use the coat for example. And one of the layers so that it wicks moisture is this PFAS chemical. And the PFAS chemical is used in a lot of things to prevent moisture. You know, for a long time, it was used on Scotch Guard. So when you would spill something on your couch, it wouldn't soak in your couch. Oh, it would kind yeah. of just bead up on the surface. Okay. It's the same chemical. So, so okay. but what's yeah. what's happening is, again, we have it in one layer of our turnout gear, in the middle layer. And because the firefighters, again, it's right next to them. They're they're um, their pores are open in these superheated environments, and it's clearly showing that the PFAS is being absorbed into these guys' uh, skin.
0: Now, whoever invented these firefighter gears were obviously trying to do it so that firefighters wouldn't get burned. So what is your solution? If it shouldn't be PFAS, what should it be? Well,
1: that's that's the problem, and that's what— um, all of the organizations are really working on the gear manufacturers to come up with a different solution. The, the, the catch-22 of this is that we there's nothing on the market yet that we can get this moisture wicking properties in turnout gear without using PFAS. So we're kind of mm-hmm. stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, like I said, this is the same material that's used in food packaging. It's used in, um, like I said, the, the old days on scotch guarding, protecting. Anything that you don't want water to soak into and to shed water has this, this chemical in it. Who makes it? Uh, it there's DuPont tons of places that Dow, uh, DuPont or... and know 3 m had it. Uh 3 m is has already talked about how they're they're going away from it. But the problem is there's no suitable solution for it yet. So the the companies are really working to try to find some sort of alternative. What we've really started doing in the fire service is we that turnout gear was kind of the end all catch all. We would wear it on every single call. And traditionally firefighters respond to, you know, tons of calls that aren't necessarily building fires every time. So we're really looking at alternative gear so that they can wear protective gear that don't have the thermal properties and then if they go to a structural fire they can wear this turnout gear and but the other gear can be worn for all the other calls we're just trying to limit the exposure until no
0: that makes a yeah, lot of sense yeah. we're talking sure. to richard thode who is the chief of the danbury fire department because i can't tell you it's probably a handful of times that i have maybe smelled something weird or I've had a, like a short circuit surge protector thing. And just because I've smelled something, I've called the fire department and they come over and they're in full gear, but there's no fire. You know what I mean? They're just, right. they're just making me feel better to know that. Okay. You know, Lisa, it's okay. You're, you're good. We've checked this. We have checked that. There's nothing obvious. You're good. I imagine that's nine out of 10 calls they come to anyway.
1: Right. And the firefighters do a ton of, uh uh you know, Emergency medical calls and yes, even a yes. car accident, you know, a, a rescue at a car accident, you don't necessarily need the thermal protection of turnout gear. So it's what they were now calling uh, this tech rescue gear. And it looks very similar, but it doesn't. It's much thinner and it doesn't have the thermal protection. We can wear it on probably 90 percent of the calls uh, that the, that the members go on. So we can really limit the exposure I, again until the until the industry standards change and until technology catches up with what we need. Uh, that's going to have to be the alternative,
0: right? Because it's a question of do you want to risk getting burned now versus the possibility of cancer later. Obviously, you don't want to let anybody get burned if the material protects right. you, right? You have no choice. Right. We're chatting. Right. With Richard, the, though, the other okay. thing
1: that we're really doing for the cancer protection is, you know, in the in the old days, it was kind of like a badge of courage to come out of a fire and be all dirty and whatnot, and then stay all dirty. Uh, you'll see more and more at fires. We decontaminate immediately on the scene. We hose down the firefighters right in the street sense. to get all the all the stuff off of them, and then they immediately, when they get back to the firehouse, you know, shower and launder their gear and, and the whole bit. Because the longer it sits on your skin, the worse it is.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So a lot of it is about education information spreading among fire departments too, so that everybody gets, you know, the word, especially because here in Connecticut, we still have a lot of volunteer fire departments and they're amazing.
1: Absolutely. 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 They, they do a great job. They do hard work. And, and again, the, the, the chemicals and the hazards, they don't know if you're paid or volunteer. They don't know if you're in a small town or a big city, it's still the same exposure.
0: So one of the things I see that you've asked for, and I think governor Lamont signed it into law in October, was a, basically a presumption that if a firefighter gets cancer, that we are now going to presume that it is a result of being a firefighter, and your workers' comp benefits will attach to that.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices That's correct, and and the cancers, there are certain cancers that are identified in that bill, and again, it's the cancers that have been identified as being most prevalent in the fire service, and part of that is regular physicals and early screening, just to make sure that you are living a healthy lifestyle and, and not doing something to expose yourself, and then we have a clean bill of health, and then if we do get the cancer, that the, the Firefighters that are stricken with cancer don't have to, um, you know, jump through a tremendous—they don't have to fight an uphill battle to prove that they got it at work. So it's it's a it's a tremendous. I, I give the state legislature and the the state fire associations tremendous um, credit. To, it was a hard-fought battle, but they they really uh, they came through, and it's it's a very good first step. But the whole talk- point is to not yeah. get cancer in the first place, right? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Of course, we're talking to Richard Thode, who's a Danbury Fire Chief, 203-333-9422. Uh, and just one further thing, like do firefighters get mesothelioma or weird kinds of cancer that you would get from inhaling in your lung, these chemicals?
1: Um, they do. The, the, you know, the air pack, the, the, the SCBA that we wear on our backs, There has been a long time push to wear your face piece much, much longer than we used to. So the airborne cancers have actually kind of, I wouldn't say decreased, but they've not increased. Uh, The newer firefighters that we train, they're much more cognizant of protecting their lungs. But of course, now uh, the big cancer that we're concerned about is these absorption cancers. And a lot of times, like uh, one of the, the factors is thyroid uh, cancer, uh, you know, because of the nodules that are located in your neck near your carotid. And what happens is the firefighters, the collar of the coat and the Nomex hood that they wear around their necks, that's directly right close to the, to their carotid. You know, it's, it's about where it is on your body. It's 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 devastating. It's unbelievable.
0: So, Richard, Thode, how old are you?
1: 59.
0: 59. (laughs) And you're still serving as the Danbury Fire Chief. You're still in that position?
1: Yes. I have uh, 40 years on the job. I'm currently the chief of Danbury. I worked in Bridgeport for about 35 years and in Ridgefield before that. So
0: 40 years. So since you're 19 years old, you've been fighting fires. Yes, ma'am. And uh, that's unbelievable. That's incredible. (laughs) You know, the bravery of firefighters cannot be understated. Uh, did you come from a family of other firefighters?
1: No, actually, I did not. I uh, uh, Long story short, I wrote a letter to the firehouse when I was about eight and said, I really want to be a fireman. What? And they said, come down. They said, come down anytime. And I went down and they made the mistake of saying, hey, come back anytime. And I went back the next day and the next day and the next day. And here I am. <laughs>
0: you were like the, the mascot of your local fire department until you became exactly. a member of the team. Exactly. And what exactly. town was that, exactly. Richard? What town was that?
1: Uh, I grew up. I grew up on Long Island, so it was in Port Washington, in New York. Port
0: Washington, Port Washington yep. is nice. I grew up in Woodmere on the other on the other shore. Oh, okay, yeah. sure, yeah. sure,
1: yeah. No, Port Washington's a great town. Yep. And
0: then, and you made your so. way to Connecticut. Where you? Well, that's unbelievable. And so, you know, in your story of fighting fires, you have a good tale for us. What what are what are the what's one or two that you remember? <laughs> Come on, you got to have some more stories.
1: It's only a 10 minute radio interview. so no it, it's been a, it's been a great career and and it's amazing the change. you know talking about this now, you know when I was a young firefighter, it was it was a badge of courage to have really dirty gear and to who could eat you know smoke eaters who could who could last the longest in buildings without putting your air pack on. Oh. And it's it's just changed so so much. I mean there's a big, there's a big push now to go to what we call a clean cab concept where we don't even let the turnout gear in the cab of the apparatus that after a fire they'll they'll put it in a large bag and put it in a compartment and keep it outside and, and then get back to the firehouse to decontaminate it. It's 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 scary and, and the whole industry is really, really my time on the job has just changed. It's unbelievable.
0: But it's, it's still good change, to me it's, it's, it's still to me, uh, Richard though, it still to me requires an inordinate amount of physical strength, like actual yeah. strength, like I'm not a strong person. I've never been strong. I like to think of myself as having a strong character, one hopes, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a strong inside, but I can't lift anything. I've always been truly made fun of in my family as being weak and they're right. I'm weak. And I, I've always admired the extraordinary physical strength required of firefighters. That is still true, right? No matter what else has changed, that's still true, isn't it?
1: absolutely the the ladders don't get any lighter the hose doesn't get any lighter the the amount of effort it takes to uh, break you know a break a door or climb a ladder or carry equipment up a it it doesn't change so you you still have to uh, sometimes they're referred to as occupational athletes mm-hmm. uh it's I really believe it's yep. really it's really important for the the members to stay in peak physical condition because it you can't if you can't lift the ladder, you can't say to somebody hanging out the window, hang on, I got to get somebody that can lift this. I'll be right back. I mean, we, we have to be able to do it. So, it, it, And the it's, people
0: have gotten heavier over time. They haven't gotten any lighter. <laughs> when you're carrying no comment, us out yeah. of these terrible situations. <laughs> I mean, really?
1: Right?
0: <laughs> That's true. No,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: But, but it's really
1: the... The fires have changed. It's it. They burn much hotter, much faster. Really? You know, if you, if you think about houses now, what do we do to our houses? We insulate them with triple-pane windows and everything to keep the, the cold air out and the warm air in. Well, when we have a fire in the house, what happens to all the heat and smoke? It's still held in because our houses are so well insulated. And then we have, like I said, the, the, the all the, the plastics and everything else. So the fire burns crazy hot. And very very fast, and it, it the the saying is you used to have about thirteen to fifteen minutes to escape your house when if there was a fire in the house, and now that's down to three to five minutes.
0: Is that like right? It, it,
1: yes, it it happens unbelievably quick. the The amount of what we call the growth of the fire happens exponentially faster than it used to.
0: What are you? What do you advise people, people who are listening now, about fire safety and exit plans? Do What do you think that we should be doing? We obviously have common sense things and working smoke alarms. Do you as a fire department ever come and uh, as a free service help people check to see if their smoke alarms are working?
1: Um it depends on your locality. I mean, if there's ever a doubt you can always don't call nine one one but you can always call you know look up the regular phone number of your local fire department and you know they'll always come out and give you a give you a hand. Uh, the working smoke alarm is very important. Uh, the other thing that a, pe- a lot of people forget is you should have a meeting place a lot of times we'll we'll get to a house fire and one or two people will be out on the front. And then some other people that were in the house escaped to the rear, and the people in the backyard are yelling, hey, you know, Lisa's still inside. Well, Lisa's safe. She's out front. So you should have an area that if something happens, you get out and you all meet at the mailbox or you all meet at the the big tree in the front yard so that they can be sure that everybody's out.
0: And what about... Things like in kids' bedrooms, rope ladders or, you know, handy ways to walk your kids through. God forbid they get trapped in their bedroom, what to do in case of fire. Do you recommend that for families to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the ladders are out there. They're available, um, you know, just to talk to your kids. The other big thing is is keeping doors shut. Uh, I know when, when my kids were young, you know, we, we kept the doors open so that we could hear You know hear the slightest little whimper from their rooms but uh keeping doors shut you would be amazed at the amount of fire damage in a house and then we'll you know after the fire's out we'll go up and walk down the hallway and go to a bedroom and you'll open the door and literally the bedroom will be unscathed and it's incredible that the amount of heat smoke and and fire damage that a closed door will prevent so if you're if you're not using the room keep the door shut and you really should you really should sleep with your door shut
0: you should sleep with your door shut interesting i guess one yep, of the things absolutely. we can tell people in a house in terms of fire is you can always shove a towel under the door too things that we don't think about but it's really the smoke right so that would help yeah you.
1: yeah and the, and the key thing is is that with the smoke alarms go off is really you know you think you think you have time? You gotta go. You gotta get everybody out. Yeah, get the. You know, call us.
0: Absolutely. You know,
1: call us, and we'll 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 be there as soon as we can.
0: Richard, though, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know, thank you so much, Lisa. For your thank you. to the community and, and... for 40 years. Oh my God, I'm so glad you're <laughs> well and safe and still doing your thing. You're an amazing person. We are so thank grateful you so to you.
1: Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate
0: it. We are so grateful to you. Richard though, Chief of Danbury's Fire Department on the Lisa Wexler Show today. If you missed a part of it, we'll have the podcast up early afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank Officer. you. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show.
2: Hold up.